Let's dive into God's Word this morning. If you've got a Bible, we're turning to Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, beginning there this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 and then launching off from there. Now, last week, um, you'll remember, was our Vision Sunday if you were uh, around with us. And if you weren't, uh, then you always hear me say something like this to catch up, but I specifically mean it today. Uh, But if you weren't around last Sunday and you haven't yet watched the Vision video um, and you consider this place to be your church home, then really I want to implore you, ask you to watch uh, that vision message last week because it's so vital to our journey over the next 12 months as a church community. Um, And we talked about running our best lap, that this year as family church, as as the Haven congregation, as families, as individuals, we want to run our best lap yet. And Pastor Andy talked last week about the fact that when we talk about running, we're not running aimlessly, but we're running with a fixed agenda to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given to us. That mission, of course, is a great commission um, spoken about in Matthew chapter um, 28. Remember, we talked about seeing people saved, seeing people discipled, seeing people um, set free. And, of course, that's a mission that's not unique to family church. That's a mission that should be the mission of every Christian. That's the mission that should be the mission of every church. But last week, we talked about our vision for how we're going to outwork that um, locally um, as a church community in all of our different um, congregations around those three areas. Soul saved, people discipled, people set free. And I'm not going to go over all that again, just encourage you um, to watch um, the video. But what I want to do today is begin in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Then I want to focus in on a particular thought this morning. Now Hebrews 12, 1 uh, was a verse that was central to the vision message um, last week. And this is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So as we said last week, and this verse was central to it, there is a race that each and every single one of us individually, but as a church community as well, a race that God has set before us. And we're going to run it with ever greater passion this year. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. That's better. Listen, I know there's lots of people away today, but let's be doubly responsive to make up for them. We're going to run this race with ever greater passion this year. Yet here's what I want to look at over the next few weeks as we begin some of these thoughts. That you will never run effectively and you will never run at top speed all the time that you are being held back or tripped up. Now that's fairly obvious, right? If, if you'd arrived today and we said, okay, bit of a different morning church, what we're going to do is we're going to go out onto Botley Drive and we are having a sports day today. Some of you would have loved that. Some of you would have been absolutely horrified. Some of you, your competitive nature would have come out. And uh, it's always the quiet ones, the ones that you least suspect are ferociously competitive. Suddenly you, you'd see a different side to them. But if we said we've closed the road down and we are going to run down Botley Drive, and some of you would probably never see you again, but we're going to run down Botley Drive and we're going to race. And we had the starter gun ready and we said, okay, ready, step. but before you started running, I said, hold on a minute, I-, I-, I want you before you run to carry this massive set of bricks in a rucksack. I remember when one of my friends was, um, we were about 16, 17 years old, and uh, we used to go jogging, and he was training to go into the army. And we used to go jogging, and, and one day I was looking at him, he was carrying this rucksack. I said, 
well, what's in the rucksack? And turned out he had a massive set of bricks in the rucksack because the only way that he could get fit by running with me was to weigh himself down in order that he would actually have some sort of exercise. But if I said to you, do you know what? I want you to carry the massive sound desk that we've got at the back. I want you to carry that as you run down the road. How many of you know that that would slow you up? If we said, okay, we're going to run now, but I stood beside you and every step of the way I kept sticking my leg out trying to trip you up, how many of you know your race would be affected? And actually, if I carried it on too long, my face would probably be affected if you didn't <laughs> control your temper. We understand that to be true. Let me, let me stretch that analogy a little bit further. An athlete will never run their best race if they're carrying an injury. They will never get their best time if they're carrying an injury. An athlete's career will be continually hampered if they've got a recurring injury. Now, these are obvious statements to make, but I want you to see very clearly this morning that as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. But if we're going to talk about running our best lap yet, we can talk all we like to win blue in the face about that. And I believe we truly will as a church and as individuals. But actually, if we're going to run our best lap yet, as the writer of Hebrews says, then we first maybe need to deal with some stuff that is slowing us down. Some stuff that is weighing down on us. And you'll know that life is full of those kinds of things that weigh us down, that slow us down. And we're going to look at some of those over the coming weeks. Also, we need to deal with the sin that keeps tripping us up. Other translations say that sin that so easily ensnares us. Imagine running down the road or running somewhere and you've got one of those traps on your feet. Your running is going to be affected. Another translation says the sin that so easily ensnares us. If we were to run down body drive, but before you started running, I threw a massive um, cargo net or a fishing net upon you. Again, your run's going to be affected. You're going to be tripping up all over the place. As it is in the natural, so it is with the spiritual. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the common stuff that trips us up, that holds us back, that weighs us down. We're going to look at God's word and how God's spirit can help us overcome those things, that we would lay them aside and never pick them up again in order to run the race fully that God has intended for us. So today I want to start off those thoughts by looking at the issue, the entanglement, whatever you want to call it, of pride. So this is going to be a bit of an ouch message. It was for me as I prepared it. It's going to be for you as I deliver it. That We're going to deal with the issue of pride because the Bible talks about pride as being something that will slow us down, something that will entangle us in our lives. Now, we're not talking this morning about being proud of something or someone. I'm super proud of my wife, Kirsty, who's in kids church this morning, of my children, my three daughters, of this church community. I'm, I'm proud of those things, but I'm talking about that pride that you know will cost you. And we know what we're talking about because we encounter pride in the workplace, in different settings, every single day. Pride is that thing that will cost people relationally because they won't apologize when they're wrong. That person who just will never, ever apologize. It could be completely found out they still will not apologize. Pride is that thing that causes certain people to feel they always have to be right. You know, when you get in those conversations and they always have to be right. Pride is that thing that causes certain people to, to never acknowledge that they may just have made a mistake. Pride is that thing that causes people to be jealous. It stops people speaking good things of others. Pride causes unforgiveness. Pride stops people asking for help when they need it, admitting a weakness when they need it. Pride is what stops some people from accepting Jesus. 
Pride is what stops some people from growing in Jesus. Pride is what stops some people from serving the house of God or truly worshipping God as they want to or desire to. Pride is what causes selfishness in others. Pride will always hamper you. Now, now here's the thing about pride. That as I was saying about that today and as I was going over some of those characteristics and some of those symptoms and some of those outworkings of pride, chances are that there were names or people that came to your mind. Now, we're not going to pass the microphone around, otherwise that could be carnage. But there were names or pictures of people that came to your mind. But here's what I want you to clearly see today. That pride is something that's so easy to see in others, but sometimes a little harder to spot in yourself, yet it could still be majorly affecting you. It's just that we can show pride over different areas in our lives or in different ways, but we can still be incredibly prideful. And that's one of the things that Jesus highlighted in his ministry on the earth, of, of the fact of life that it's so easy to judge stuff in other people, a little bit harder to see it in yourself. Remember the analogy that he used. But he said, why is it that you look for the splinter in somebody else's eye? Yeah, there's a massive, great, big, whacking log in your own eye that you're refusing to deal with. Pride will always be costly. Now, when it comes to pride, Peter gave us this instruction or warning in these letters to the church. 1 Peter 5 verse 5. All of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. A well-known verse, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say about pride. I'm just going to go through some of these verses. If you're taking notes, maybe just note these verses down and look them up another time. Proverbs 11 verse 2. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 29, 23, pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. The message paraphrase puts it this way, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Proverbs 13, verse 10, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Proverbs 8.13, now in this chapter wisdom is personified and wisdom is like a person speaking out. And this is what it says in Proverbs 8.13, wisdom speaking. All who, hate, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. So the Bible says it's wise to hate pride. It's wise to distance yourself from pride because pride will always lead to destruction. It will always end in humiliation and disgrace. In fact, if you think about it, this whole train wreck called sin that is affecting so many lives and affecting the world globally today, this whole thing of sin came about as a result of pride. The, the enemy, Satan, was cast out as a fallen angel from heaven because of pride. You say, where's that in the Bible? Okay, Isaiah 14, verse 12. Just laying the foundation this morning. Isaiah 14, verse 12. Speaking of Satan, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the Most High. Instead, you were brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. The devil succumbed to pride. 
And do you know what? He uses it today in a way that will cost you, in a way that will hamper you, in a way that will hold you back and stop you from running the best lap that God has for you to run. Now, as we speak on pride, here's what, what I want us to look at. 2 Kings chapter 5. If you've got a Bible with you, turn it to 2 Kings chapter 5 or turn it on, on your mobile. And, and I want you to follow this along because we're going to be in this for the rest of the time of this morning. 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. And I want us to look at this classic Old Testament account of pride. And I want us to see how this affected this man named Naaman. But also how if we don't deal with it, pride will cost us today. But there's some good news coming about a way out. 2 Kings 5, verse 1 to 5, it says this. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and was highly regarded. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. Now, at this point, we might think that it's going to list all the different victories that he's won and how he took on this army and conquered this army. But he says he was a valiant soldier. Now, listen to the rest of the sentences. But he had leprosy. Now, we've got to understand that this was huge. For somebody to have leprosy in his position, but at any position at this moment in time, leprosy was the most feared and dreaded disease of that day. There was no cure. And so physically, it affected you in a number of ways. Physically, it would be in such a way that you would start to lose the skin on your body. You would start to lose fingers. You would start to lose toes. Eventually, you would lose limbs. And often, because of other complications of that kind of stuff, leprosy could cost you your life. So it was huge physically. But we've also got to understand that it was huge socially. That if you had leprosy in that day, you were considered a social outcast. And so I want you to understand the magnitude of it. Here is this valiant soldier who was in charge of armies and yet he is carrying leprosy. Something that affected him physically but also something that affected him socially. This is major. It continues. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served as Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left. Now just pause there in the account. Because I want us to acknowledge this morning that actually Naaman starts off this account by showing a degree of humility. Here is Naaman, remember, he's the army conqueror, he's the commander of the armies, and he goes to this servant girl. Now, we need to understand that at this point in history, the nation of Aram and the nation of Israel were often at war together. There was a lot of political unrest, and so what was happening was the nation of Aram were going into Israel and conducting several raids just to cause this political unrest. And one time they go in and they take this girl and they take her captive and they make her a servant girl to Naaman's wife. And here is this moment where the servant girl is watching this situation of Naaman having leprosy. And she says, do you know what? If he saw this prophet over in Israel that I know, he would receive his healing. And so we've got to acknowledge that Naaman, a commander of the armies, listens to the servant girl knowing that it could be his route out of the situation. That would have taken humility. Now I say all that to say this, but it's amazing how we can show humility in one area of our lives and yet walk with a lot of pride in another area of our lives. 
There may be some people, and you identify with this yourself, where, where you are somebody who shows so much humility in the church. When you're around the people of God, when you're here on a Sunday morning, you are like the most humble person going. But in the home, you are incredibly prideful. Someone can be very humble at home and yet be incredibly prideful in the workplace where it's a competitive spirit. God wants us to walk with consistency. That there wouldn't be a hypocrisy about our lives, but we would walk with humility throughout our days. So here's Naaman. He's walking with humility in this moment. He goes and he takes a letter from the king of Aram to the king of Israel. And it's quite amusing when you read about it because the king of Israel starts freaking out in this moment because leprosy was something that couldn't be cured. And so he thought that the king of Aram was just picking a fight and was just going to cause even more unrest. And so he starts tearing his clothes as a sign of distress. And this is what happens when Elisha the prophet hears about this. 2 Kings 5 verse 8. It says, When Elisha the man of God heard what the king of Israel had done and torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Elisha essentially says to the king of Israel, calm down, settle down, stop ripping your clothes, it's going to be all right, send the guy here. And I will cure Naaman, and Naaman will know that there is a God who is alive and performs miracles. Verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to him to say, go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Pretty simple. He says to Naaman, Naaman, here's what you need to do. Just go down to the Jordan River, dip yourself seven times, and that's it. You will receive your miracle. Your leprosy will be gone. That's all that you need to do. But listen to what Naaman says next, and because I want you to understand this is how we can be with God sometimes. Verse 11, having heard how simple it was. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Wait a minute, are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Can't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned off and went in a rage. Now isn't that amazing that here is this guy, who's in this situation where he's got leprosy that's going to cost him physically and socially. His life is a misery. And there's this prophet that says, do you know what? All you need to do is go dip yourself seven times in this body of water. It will all be over. I mean, imagine today if you're carrying an illness or maybe you've got a pain in your body and somebody said to you, listen, all you need to do today is go down to South Sea Beach and dip yourself in seven times and a miracle will happen. Or you're carrying massive debt financially and they said, you know what? Your finances, every debt upon your life will be cleared if you just go dip yourself in South Sea Beach seven times or whatever relational situation, whatever it is that you're believing for breakthrough. If they said, all you need to do is do this and take a bath. Hey, have some bubble bath. Put a bath bomb. All you need to do is dip in there seven times and you will receive your miracle. Surely we would do that. And yet Naaman in this moment is offended because he's not used to being told what to do. He didn't receive instruction. He gave instruction. He's a commander of the armies. And I want us to see how ridiculous this is that he needs this miracle. And without this miracle, he's going to remain in this misery and he's potentially on his way to a slow, painful, humiliating death. And the command is so simple. It wasn't something that he couldn't do. It's something that he wouldn't do. Why? 
because of pride. Because of his pride, Naaman got offended. He gets all bent out of shape with Elisha. Hang on, why is Elisha not even here? He sent his messenger to me. I thought Elisha was going to come out and wave his hand over the spot and everything would be fine and I'd walk away and there'd be this massive thing that I write in my autobiography about how I met the prophet and it was amazing. Hello, Lord. And it was amazing and all this stuff happened and I've received my miracle. But you sent a messenger. And he gets all offended with Elisha in this moment because, listen, when pride causes us to think too much of ourselves, offense is never very far away. Did you catch that this morning? It's important. When we get prideful and we start thinking too much of ourselves, whether it's in the home, in the work, wherever it might be, offense will never be very far away away and so he gets offended with God's method he gets offended with Elisha and what Elisha expected him to do especially where Elisha expected him to do it because the Jordan River wasn't somewhere that was clean it was a dirty river it wasn't somewhere that was you know well known and so he says well well couldn't I do it in a better body of water I want you to catch something that's going on here. I believe that God not only wanted to cure him of his leprosy God wanted to cure him of his greater disease that was pride And so he finds a way to humble him. Where he's not in the waters of Damascus, the great bodies of water. He's in this place where he's going to go to a dirty river, but Naaman doesn't like it. Why? Because pride will always think it knows better. And so I want us to catch it this, this morning, that actually leprosy is Naaman's disease, but it's pride that is about to really cost him. And we can pray till we're blue in the face for breakthrough and say, God, I want your breakthrough and, 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 and I need your breakthrough in this situation. But actually, pride will often stop us from receiving God's breakthrough for our life. If we say, well, I know better than God, or my methods are better than God's, we will miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. See, we can ask God for breakthrough. God, I need help. I'm stuck in this addiction. I, I'm in prison in this destructive habit. But I can't admit it. Because what will people think of me? Pride. God, I need a breakthrough in my marriage. God, you, you may say, God, I, I need you to work in my marriage. I, I want my marriage to be all that it could be. But, but, but I'm not apologizing because it was her fault. It was his fault. I'll apologize when they apologize. But God, would you give me breakthrough? Pride. God, I, I want a better relationship with my kids. God, I, I want to be able to connect with my teenager, but I'm not speaking words of affirmation and love over them. I didn't get that as a kid, and it didn't do me any harm. Pride will cost you in so many different ways. God, I want to be at peace. I want to be content in life, but God, I can't believe that you've blessed them with that situation. you blessed them with a better outcome than me. Pride. God, I... I want to walk with wisdom. This, this girl seems to talk so much biblical sense, but she's 25 years younger than me. I mean, I've been a Christian longer than she's been alive. What does she know? Pride. God, I believe you're calling me to preach to, to thousands of people, to stages full of lives being given to you. I believe, God, you're calling me to be an evangelist, but every time I tell my local church about my giftings that you've given me, they, they ask me to serve coffee. Or they ask me to go in kids' church. Or they ask me to go visit the elderly. Don't they know who I am? Pride. 
pride will... It's really quiet in here today. I told you it was an ouch message. Pride will always... And, and let me tell you, when, I, when I'm preparing these messages, okay, I don't come... When I'm preparing a message, I'm just like, Wednesday afternoon after I prepare, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, all right. So, so I'm getting it as much as you're getting it today. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to highlight it. Pride is going to always cost us. Pride isn't worth it because it will slow us down. It will hold us back. It will stop us from running with the purposes of God. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Back to Naaman, because thankfully he is people, and we need people like this, who tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. They tell him the truth, and this is what it says in 2 Kings 5, 13 to 15. Naaman's servants went to him and said, "Uh, My father, if a prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much more then? When he tells you, just wash and be cleansed. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept this gift from your servant. Naaman listens, he humbles himself, and he receives his breakthrough. He receives his miracle. His leprosy is healed because all things are possible, not just for those who will believe, but all things are possible for those who will cast off anything that is weighing them down, that will throw off anything that is ensnaring them or causing them to be tripped up. Naaman humbled himself. Okay, let's make this less about Naaman and let's make this more about us. And I want to ask you this question this morning for you to think on not just right now but throughout this coming week here's a question what humble action do we need to take what humble action is the holy spirit highlighting for us to take but maybe it's that we need to apologize instead of always thinking that we have the answer maybe it's to admit our fault maybe it's to forgive rather than not letting go maybe it's to compliment instead of being jealous Maybe it's to serve someone instead of always wanting to be served by all those people around you. Maybe it's to open up to others rather than being a close book and thinking you can sort it out in your own strength. Maybe it's to listen instead of always knowing what you're going to say next. Maybe it's to ask for help. Maybe it's to stop thinking we have all the answers. Maybe it's to distance yourself away from being easily offended. What humble action do we need to take today because pride is something that's so easy to see in others but sometimes the same thing that we see in others is actually costing us in ourselves final verse philippians 2 verse 5 and we'll end on this it says this in your relationships with one another have the same mindset and in other words take the same attitude have the same approach as christ jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Our Saviour humbled himself. Now you may remember the moment where He's washing the feet of the disciples and he showed that as a visual illustration that actually the greatest in the kingdom is not the one who sits there and is served by everyone else but the one who knows what it is to serve others. And so he demonstrated it and he began to wash the feet of these disciples 
as that demonstration of humility. But the greatest demonstration of humility was when, as the Bible says, he chose to hang upon a cross. That he was put upon this cross naked, humiliated, beaten, his body broken in so many different ways, the, the skin on his back ripped off, a crown of thorns forced upon his head, mocked, they gambled for his clothes. And yet, I want you to understand that the word that was in the beginning, the word that became flesh, God Almighty, was on that cross, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why? For you and for me. But we walk with the sense and outwork so much pride, and yet the reality is our Saviour, Jesus Christ, humbled himself for you so that you could receive your salvation, so that you could be in right standing with God, so that you could receive all of that forgiveness, so that your sin would be removed as far as the east is from the west, but it took our Saviour to humble himself. This year, we want to run for God. Listen, I want this year to be in my life and in your life a year of great purpose, a year of lives growing and making a difference we we want this year as a as a church community to be a year where we run like never before and we see souls saved and people discipled and people set free from anything that has a hold on them we want to run our best lap yet and yet the writer of hebrews says church if we're going to do that we need to face up to some stuff that there's some stuff that's weighing us down there's some stuff that's tripping us up, that's ensnaring us, that's holding us back. And for some of you today, the Holy Spirit may be highlighting that that weight, that that sin is pride. Listen, if we are brave enough today to say, Holy Spirit, would you help me? I, I want to remove this rucksack off my life. I, I, I want to untangle myself from this pride that is crossed to me. Do you know what? If we would be brave enough to do that, it would begin to change so many different areas of our lives. Our relationships would be stronger for it. Our church would be greater for it. Workplaces and homes would be healthier environments as a result of it. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let me put that another way. God slows down the proud, but he enables the humble to run their best lap yet. Just close your eyes in this place this morning. Just as we finish today, I just want to give you an opportunity to reflect on what the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life for back of that message. And we're not going to take too long on this, but I just want the Holy Spirit just to begin to trigger something within you where the Holy Spirit does what I can't do through my just simple words of man but the Holy Spirit begins to reach into different areas of your life and say let that go let that go change how you're responding in that area whatever it might be Holy Spirit I thank you that your word promises that indeed the word will never return void but it's always accomplishing what it's been sent to do so Holy Spirit I thank you that there will be a return upon this word I thank you for spirits and hearts that are just wide open to what you are saying, Holy Spirit. And Lord, though this message may be a bit of an ouch message today, God, I thank you that you give us the grace to make the changes we need to make. Father, I thank you that time is up on pride in, in the church. We're calling time on pride in marriages. We're calling time on pride in workplaces. 
Father, I thank you that where people have been slowed down, held back, ensnared by this thing called pride that is stopping us from maybe receiving the greatest breakthrough of our lives. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you strengthen us and enable us to take steps forward. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just minister to people. Minister to people in this moment. Challenge us, convict us, change us from the inside out. That our lives would never be the same again. Father, I thank you for those who make a brave decision today to make some changes in different areas, that they will never return back and pick up pride again. Lord, we choose to humble ourselves before you humble us today. Just like Jesus who humbled himself upon the cross. We make that decision today. We make that choice. But we will humble ourselves. And as we do, Father, we speak life and fruit over every single area of our lives and over our church and over this community and what you're going to do in and through us this year as we truly commit to running our best lap yet. Jesus, we give you all the glory and all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God praise in this place for his word.